Well, hey, good morning. Great to see everybody today. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here at PBCC. And as Dr. Ray just shared, uh, we, yeah, we're wrapping up our series that we've called Laws to Live By. And uh, today we're going to talk about honoring our neighbors. And really we're going to talk kind of in a global sense of not just the people you live next to, but people who might be in your office, people you might drive with on 95, you know, people uh, in your neighborhood as well as your classroom, whatever, just the people around us. We're considering them all Neighbors. Now, uh, many of you know that, that Kim and I, we live in the northwest part of the county. We live out in what I guess would be kind of a rural area. Um, we live in Jupiter Farms. And in, in our neighborhood, it's kind of neat because there's no HOA. There's no homeowners association. And the good part of that is that there's nobody to tell you what's right and wrong and what to do. The bad part of that is that there's nobody to tell you what's right and wrong and what you can do. So people do all sorts of stuff. Um, now, Kim and I are fortunate that, that uh, most of the neighbors we really enjoy, most of the people we live around, we really uh, enjoy being around. They've got some quirks, though. There, there are some quirky neighbors. W one guy, Mike, who lives on one side of us, um, got a new mower last year, last summer. He got a new riding mower, you know, with headlights and the whole deal. And I guess I, he's like kind of a motorhead. And so he put, I'm not kidding you, he put like a performance exhaust on this thing. And this is the quirky part. That's not quirky enough. He likes to mow at night because I guess it's cooler. And so 9 o'clock at night last summer, I mean, just, oh, that's Mike mowing. I see the headlights doing laps in his backyard. Yeah, so that's not bad. We have some other neighbors across the street who um, just a few months ago, actually, uh, Kim comes to me. It's, it's night. And she said, honey, there are people in our front yard with flashlights. I, I, what, what are we going to do? There's people like in our front yard with flashlights. So I stupidly decide to go out and confront these people in our, in our front yard. And so I take my gun with me, right? And you've heard me say this before. I have a really, really old gun. I don't even think it works. I don't think it shoots, but it's really heavy. I can throw it, probably leave a mark, right? So I walk out there and I see these two figures. They're not in our front yard. Um, they're actually on the curb. They're on the swale and they're going through our trash, right? And they've got flashlights. I see these two people, and I'm deciding which one I'm going to throw my gun at first. And then, I, and then I very lovingly say, hey, what are you doing? And they look up, and it's our neighbors from across the street. And what they do is they were just running late that day. They comb the neighborhood for scrap metal. They have a truck, and they just go through the neighborhood, going through trash, going through everything, and loading up any metal, any cans, and they take that, and they recycle that. And so I said, okay, peace be with you. Go away. And so... So there's Mike and those people, and the people next to us, the family next to us, we really, really love these folks. And um, a while ago, uh, near the beginning of the year, they decided they would get a pet. They wanted a family pet. Now, some people are dog people. I, I, I love those people. Some people, believe it or not, are cat people. There's a place for them somewhere. And, and apparently, my neighbors are goat people because they decided the family pet would be a goat. So they got this goat for their family, and they named her Honey, Honey the Goat. And what you need to know about Honey is that, is that Honey is what they call a fainting goat, right? This is a real thing. I didn't know this was a real thing. Fainting goats, uh, as a defense mechanism, and I think God's sense of humor, whenever they get scared, whenever they get anxious, whenever they get like unsure of their circumstances, they just keel over. 
for like 10 seconds in this comatose state, I guess it's God's way of making sure that fainting goats don't overpopulate. I don't know, you know, your defense mechanism is to fall over. So, so they, get, they get honey, the fainting goat. What I didn't tell you about this family is they have four little kids who are experts at scaring goats. So for like the first month that they had honey, I think she was conscious for like a total of 20 minutes. You know, she'd be out there, you know. And then the little boys, yeah! Boom, you know. The entire first month, she just keeps her distance now, yeah. So, and some, we've all got stories of like weird things our neighbors do, right? Like the people, you know, they're, they're kind of quirky. And you just, you love them, you put up with it. And then sometimes there are people around us and they do stuff that's it's not really just quirky. It, it kind of gets on our nerves, right? Kind of bugs us, you know? And, and that maybe sometimes they, they even do things that, that are just mean or they're just, they have disregard for the people around them. Um, we have one neighbor, one person on our street um, I, don't, I don't like so much because they have a dog. I like dogs. They have a dog, but it's a mean dog. And it's chased some people. It's chased my kids. It's bitten a couple kids. It goes through the trash, and, you know, it trashes everywhere. Um, and so uh, I talked to the neighbor and got nowhere. And then uh, some other neighbors talked to the neighbor, got nowhere. So I went to um, the little sheriff's substation one day, and I started talking about, hey, what, what recourse do we have? What can we do? I mean, it's not the dog's fault. It's the owner's fault. What do, what do we do? And Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and so and the sheriff said, listen, whatever you do, don't talk to the neighbor yourself. I'm like, I already did that. You know? And what she was trying to say is that when there's conflict, when things don't go right, when people don't get along, especially in today's world, things can escalate quickly. Things can get bad quickly. Sometimes people around us are just inconsiderate. They just disregard other people. Sometimes they're unlikable. Sometimes they're unlovable. Anybody here, show of hands, know anybody who's unlikable and unlovable? Anybody in your life? Okay, keep your hand up if you came to church with them. No, I'm just kidding. That, yeah, that last part was an IQ test. I just wanted to see. I just wanted to see how you did. Yeah, sometimes people around us act in ways that just make us angry. They frustrate us. Maybe we don't get them. Maybe they don't get us. We don't connect. And yet we've got to see him. Maybe we see him on a regular basis. Maybe we do live next to him. Maybe they literally are our neighbors. Maybe we have to go and share an office with them. Maybe we have to share a house with them. And so, so what do you do? Well, today we're talking about how to honor those people. And we said that honor, if you remember, is lifting somebody up. Honor, if we're going to honor somebody, we want to add value to them. Even to the guy with that dog. We want to lift him up. We want to honor him somehow. And what we're going to do is we've been, we've been doing over the series, we're going to look back to God's laws to live by, the Ten Commandments, and we're going to find some help uh, as, as we look back to the, to the Old Testament book of Exodus. And here's what we've been doing uh, over the course of this, this series. Just in honor of God's law, we're standing in the stream of thousands of years of men and women who, who have read his word aloud and they've stood just in honor of that. So what I want you to do is let's stand up together and let's read today's law to live by. We're going to put it up on the screen. And then we're going to read this out loud together. You guys ready? All right. Here we go. Let's read. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife 
or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor, especially their goat. All right. Yeah, you may be seated. So God comes to his people and he says, look, I want you to honor the people around you. Here's a list of don'ts. Don't steal. Don't lie about them. Don't give false testimony. Don't, don't want their stuff. And what's interesting to me, there were so many ancient codes like this in, in, in the ancient world, so many law codes like this, but this is the only one that ties faith with the way we treat other people. The first, the first of the Ten Commandments, the first four, are all about honoring God. Those last six that we just read are all about honoring the people around us. It sets it apart from every other legal code in the ancient world because it ties faith, it ties worship with how we love people. You see, you can't love God without loving people. You can't say, I love God and not love people. The Apostle John, thousands of years later, says, you can't, you can't say you love God who you can't see and then hate your brother who you can see. The two are inextricably tied together. If we're going to honor God, we've got to honor people. Now, Jesus comes along, and as always, he peels back another layer to this. He looks at the law through different eyes, and he gets to the spirit. He gets to the intent of the law. This is what he says in Matthew. Here's, here's the scene. He's wrapping up the, the best message in the world, the world's best sermon ever preached, which, by the way, makes all modern pastors look bad because I think it probably took him about 15, 20 minutes, and it's the best one ever, ever done. And he's wrapping up, and he sums it all up with this. And you've heard this if you've been around church for any length of time. This is what he says in Matthew 7. So in everything, in other words, in light of everything I just said, Sermon on the Mount, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets, the whole Old Testament. That sums it up. Do to others what you would have them do unto you. And we know that as what? The golden rule. It's called the golden rule because of its value, because of its worth. Now, what we know about this is that uh, it, what, Jesus wasn't the first to, to have that kind of saying. Confucianism says something like that. Buddhism says something like that. Even Judaism, there was a rabbi named Hillel who had a phrase like that. The difference is uh, all of those were couched in negative terms. Hillel said, don't do to your enemy what you would hate for him to do to you. They were all don't do. Don't do bad. Don't do what you know is wrong. And Jesus turns around and he says, no, no, no. Not just don't do what's wrong to your neighbor. Don't, don't just sit back and, and refrain from harming your neighbor. No, no, no. Take the initiative and do what's right. Take the initiative and do love. Take the initiative and do honor. Go first in loving and honoring the people around you. And later on in the same uh, gospel, gospels are like the biographies of Jesus. Later on in, in Matthew, uh, in case people didn't get it, Jesus elaborates even more on what he just said. Uh, Matthew 22. And here's the scene. Uh, he's being, he's just kind of quieted. He's just kind of uh, won this argument with this one group of religious rulers. There are two, two prominent groups, Sadducees and Pharisees. And uh, he's just won this argument, you would expect him to win the argument about religion. And this other group comes to, the Pharisees come to test him. That's got to be the height of arrogance, right? The height of ego that you're going to test, you're going to give a Bible drill to Jesus, right? But these guys do. And this is what it says. 
Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, Pharisees didn't like them. The Pharisees got together, and one of them, an expert in the law, tested him, Jesus, with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And looking back at, at the, the Ten Commandments and, and all of that, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as what? As yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. In case you didn't get it the first time. Everything depends on loving God, honoring God, but, but, but so tied to that is loving people. You want to honor God? You need to honor people. We need to, I think Jesus would say, we need to honor the people around you by giving them, by giving them what you would want. Giving them what you would want, what you would want to get if you were them. Honor the people around you. Honor your neighbor, the people in your class, in your office, in your community by giving them what you would want if you were them. You see, I think Jesus is tapping into something, and, and uh, it, it's this. What's most personal to you, who you are under, under the facade that we all have, under the image maintenance that we all have, who you are, who I am, and the core of who I am, I have the same needs, I have the same wants that you have. What's personal is, is, is also most universal. At our core, we pretty much want the same things. We all want respect, right? We all want understanding. We all want forgiveness. We all want grace. We all want people to be patient with us. So Jesus says, okay, put yourself in your neighbor's shoes. Give to them what you would want if you were them. And see, what we do is the exact opposite, right? We give to other people what we think they deserve, right? We give to other people what we think they've got coming. We give to other people the treatment we think they deserve based on how they treat us. Right? We get on the road and somebody cuts us off and we welcome them to South Florida with hand gestures, right? You know? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. If you want to honor God, you need to honor the people that you spend time with. You need to honor the people you do life with. And here's how you do it. You give them what you would want if you were them. Not what you think they deserve. Not what you even think they need. But what you would want. If you were them. And here's how it works. Uh, you need to give others what you would want in a, in a couple key ways. Just want you to think about it. This list isn't exhaustive, but it's a couple key things that we can think about. First, we need to give others what you would want in their station, their station in life, where they are in life. We're all in different places in life. Educationally, professionally, we're all in different places in life. We need to give the people around us what you would want. Give them what you would want if you were in their place. Put yourself in their shoes. And in doing so, you're honoring God as you add value and lift them up, especially if they're serving you. Especially if they're serving you. Think about the waiter or the waitress uh, today when you go out to lunch after, after church today. Uh, how would you want to be treated if you were them? Chances are, if you were them, you would want somebody to be patient with you as you took their order. You'd want somebody to be clear with you. You'd want somebody to realize that, hey, you don't make the food. If it comes out wrong, you don't make it. 
You wouldn't want them to be mad at you. Chances are really good uh, that, that when they leave, you wouldn't want to have like a four spiritual laws track left on the table and no tip, right? And by the way, if you go to eat at a restaurant and you leave a PBCC invite card, please like leave a huge tip. <laughs> please, or else you're making us all look bad. The way we treat people in service to us says so much about our relationship with God, says so much about our character. How do you treat the people? How would you want to be treated if you were them? What about the people who serve us in the community? What about law enforcement? Right? When, not if you get pulled over. (laughs) How would you want to be treated if you were that deputy, if you were that police officer? How would you want to be treated? I'm guessing that you would want somebody to realize that you're risking your life every day to keep our community safe. I guess you'd want somebody to give you a little bit of respect and understanding that you're just doing your job. I've got a buddy who is a a deputy, and the only people he writes tickets for are those who cop an attitude with him, who who show him disrespect and want to argue. Everybody else, he's like, tickets are expensive. I don't want people to to have to pay a traffic citation. You know, I just say, hey, slow down, be careful. How do you treat people who are serving you even when, it's, even when you don't like the situation? How do you treat people who are in authority over you in a different station of life? Your boss, your employer, somebody who is, has some kind of leadership in your life. We were at a retreat this past week, and it was, a, it was an all-week retreat. Uh, some of our pastors and staff were there for a couple of days. And there was one guy, one pastor, who was leading the whole thing. His name is Jimmy, and he was really leading the whole thing. He's a seminary professor, so he's pouring out great stuff, great knowledge, great content, just all of us were really inspired and really growing. And uh, at the end of two days, um, after just teaching and pouring, his, pouring himself out, uh, we get to kind of the end of the second day, and Dr. Ray is there, and, and Dr. Ray does this weird thing. It's just really weird to me. He goes, he goes you know what, you know what, Jimmy? I, can we, before we do anything else, can we just like, can we just go around and share what we just appreciate about you? Can we just go around and just, and just kind of say what, what we're seeing in you and just kind of affirm you? And so we did. We went around, and there, there's Dr. Ray, our pastor, kind of humbling himself to lift this other guy up. And we went around, and we just said, thank you. And then we're done with that. I'm thinking, well, that was, that was kind of cool. And then Ray says, hey, you know what? Why don't we just, before we do anything else, let's just get around Jimmy and pray for Jimmy. And, and I just saw this beautiful example of lifting those who are kind of our leaders up. This guy was leading the whole week, and, and Dr. Ray just acknowledged that and humbled himself and lifted this guy up. How do you treat people in different stations? Put yourself in their shoes. Chances are you'd want respect. Chances are you'd want somebody to, to be patient and kind with you. I've got a buddy named James who travels all over the country, and uh, he gets his shoes shined a lot in airports. I didn't think anybody ever did that still. But he does, and we were talking about service uh, last week and just, just reaching out to people. And, and James said this. He said, he said I always, when I get my shoes shined, whatever the charge is, whatever the fee is, I just pay more just to, just to edify them, just to lift them up because they're spending their days shining shoes. So I want to build them up and treat them right. Honoring God is tied to honoring the people around us. How do you honor people in different stations of life? Secondly, how do you honor? We need to give others, you need to give others what you would want 
in their stage, if you were in their stage of life, all of us are in different stages. Some are young, some are not so young. Some are single, some are married, some used to be married, want to be married again. Some of us have kids, some of us don't have kids. We're all in different stages. And part of honoring people is going, okay, what would I want if I were in their stage? And then give it to them. Not what you think they need, not what you think they deserve, but what would you want if you were them? For those of us who have little kids, I want you to think back if you can. What did you want when you were a child? What did you want when you were a little kid? You know what one of the big things you wanted? Uh, You wanted to play with mommy and daddy. So go home and play. Go home and play. Get on the ground and play. Go throw the ball because that's what you wanted. You see how that works? What about those of us with teenagers, right? Teenagers don't want to spend time with you. I'm just telling you. Understand. They don't want to spend time with you. But what about when you were a teenager? Chances are you wanted your parents to listen to you. So listen to them. Chances are you wanted to step out and have some more freedoms and kind of experiment with more responsibility. So go home and give them that. Appropriate freedoms, appropriate responsibilities. Do what you would want somebody to do for you if you were in that position. What about, what about single parents? I just think single parents are like heroes. You know, single parents are like heroes. I don't know how you do it. For your single friends, you know, who, who, who are raising kids all by themselves, what would you want if you were in their shoes? Probably you'd want some support, some help, some encouragement. So give them that. What about the elderly? What about we live in a society that that totally devalues age? What about those who are older than us, who who are our seniors? What would you want if you were there, if you were in their place? Chances are you'd still want to feel valued by your kids, right? Chances are you'd still want to call. You'd still want to visit, so call. So visit, lift them up, add value to them. Do what you would want if you were them. Chances are you'd want somebody just to recognize your your contribution, the journey of your life. You'd want somebody just to call attention to that. Uh, Almost a decade ago, I was on PGA Boulevard, and I pulled up to this, this light. I pulled up behind this car. It was, a, it was a big Cadillac. And on the, in the back of the window, there were all these hats lined up. And one of them said World War II veteran. And then there were all these other hats that had all this, like, you know, military insignia and, and you know, U.S. Marine Corps and all that. And so I, and I kind of felt prompted just to pull around. It's just uh, two cars. And so I pulled around, and I did one of these, you know. And the guy kind of looked at me, this, this elderly guy. Kind of surprised he was driving, you know? And he, he rolled down the window and I said, I said, sir, did you serve in World War II? And he said, he said, yes, I, I did. And I said, I, I just want to say thank you. I just want to say thank you. That, that's just incredible. Just thank you for what you did for our country. And you guys, he just started crying. He just started crying, and he said, nobody has thanked me personally for what I did. In all these years, you know, I'm sure he'd been to events. I'm sure he'd been to, you know, know, all the the, the ceremonies. 
But he said nobody had just personally, one-on-one, said thank you. And here's a stranger. So he just starts crying. And then I start crying. And then there's two grown men sitting at the traffic light just crying, you know? And then it turns green. I'm like, I, I, I got to go. It's green, you know? <laughs> oh, the difference that we can make with a few kind words and a few kind actions to put ourselves in somebody else's place. How do you treat people who are in different stages of life? If we're going to honor God, we need to honor them. You need to put yourself in their shoes. What would you want if you were them, if you were in their station in life, you know, just starting out or maybe, or maybe the, the eclipse of a career? What would you want? What would you want in their stage? And then lastly, what, what would you want in their storm? You can tell I was in an alliteration mood this week. What would you want in their, in their storm, in their crisis? And we've said a lot over the last, last few months. We've talked about how storms are part of life. Everybody goes through challenge. Everybody goes through crisis that life is not a beach. If you get past five years old, you realize that life is not a beach. It's a mountain, right? You got to climb it. There are some great views along the way, but it's a mountain that takes hard work. And there are storms on the mountain. That's life. How do you treat people who are going through crisis? We know you're either, you're either in one now, or you're just coming out of one, or you're about to go in one. Give others what you would want if you were in their financial crisis, if you were in uh, maybe their, their medical crisis, or maybe they've lost a job, or maybe it's a relationship storm, and there's been a breakup, or there's been a divorce, or they're, they're scared that there's going to be. Put yourself in their shoes. What would you want? Chances are you wouldn't want a lecture about how they got into this place, right? You wouldn't want seven easy steps to get out of it. There's a time for that. There's, there's a time for a path out. You wouldn't want I told you so. You wouldn't want platitudes. You wouldn't want just pat answers, right? You know, I've been to so many memorial services, and I'm, I'm always blown away when somebody shows up, well-intended, I get it, and they say, you know, somebody's just lost somebody they love, and somebody shows up and says, well, you know, God just needed another angel, and I just want to punch them. That's bad theology. That's just dumb. That's like, that's like relying on Hallmark to teach you about God. That's just bad. I want to punch him. And then I think, well, if I were them, I wouldn't want to be punched. So I don't. <laughs> when you're in the middle of a crisis, you don't want just pat answers. No. What do you want? You want friendship. You want somebody to put their arm around you. You want somebody to help you. You know, two years ago, um, I lost my grandfather. And I've shared it with you guys before. I lived a charmed life, really. I'd never really lost anybody close to me. Got into adulthood, never really lost anybody close to me. Man, it was devastating. It's like my dad. And I'm so grateful that nobody gave me really pat answers. So many words that I'd shared with other people to comfort them, man, they just felt so flat and so shallow to me. In the middle of my kind of crisis of just saying goodbye, you know, just kind of figuring, okay, what's life going to be like without talking to him every week? You know, just kind of making that adjustment and going forward. Boy, it was tough. And I'm so grateful that I had a family around me that just supported me. I'll never forget sitting in my room, and my oldest son, Caleb, came in, and I was, you know, just kind of just teary, just, just, just processing, you know, it was the week of. And he just put his arm around me, and he said, Dad, I'm sorry. 
You know, this is great grandfather. You didn't really know him. You know, and that was awesome. That was awesome. I was so grateful that I got to come to work with, with John and Dr. Ray. And they didn't say anything much more than, hey, we're here. You know, they just put an arm around me. Because that's what you need. That's what you, that's what you need in the middle of a crisis. You need to know you're not alone. The people around you, some of the people that you, you just don't connect with, some of the people who just have made you so mad this past week, they're going through a storm. And they're saying stuff, and they're doing stuff they normally wouldn't do. And if you want to honor God, you've got to honor them. But put yourself in their shoes. What would you want if you were them? Chances are you wouldn't want to be judged. You wouldn't want to be lectured. You just want somebody to walk with you. Somebody to understand that you're in a crisis. You'd want somebody to help. So do that. Do that. Now, here's, here's what I know, and it's, it's really a cool thing to me. Um, uh, to give that kind of honor, to give that kind of love to the people around us without really running out, you need a supply, you need a source. Um, I think about it like, like um, with philanthropy, with like, like financial. Some of you are such great givers. You give 10% of your income to support God's work in your church family. You just do that. That's awesome. But then you go above that. And you give to people who are in need. You're so generous with, with, with your resources. You give to organizations that share your values. You support them. You just give. And as I look at you, what I realize is that to give financially, you've got to have a source of income. To give a gift, you have to have somebody supplying you. It's a job. It's a trust. Whatever. It's your investments. It's supplying you so you can funnel those resources to what you believe in. To give gifts. And if you didn't have that, you'd have nothing to give, right? You'd run out. <laughs> you'd run out. It's the same with giving honor. It's the same with giving love to the people around us. We've got to have a source. And if we're going to honor the people, we've got to honor God and let God be our source. We've got to be in relationship with God as our source. And when we come into relationship with him, we have this inexhaustible supply of love and respect and patience and joy and gentleness and grace to give to our spouse, to our ex-spouse, to our kids, our grandkids, to the people at work, to that pesky neighbor with that dog. We have a resource that won't run out. To be in relationship with God, you turn from your old way, right? You say, I'm not going to live for myself anymore. God, I want a relationship with you. I want to honor you by giving you my life. I want to honor you by following you. I want to honor you by saying no to my old way of living. And I want to turn and go, go this way. I want to follow you. I want to figure out what it looks like to honor you with my life. And that's what I'm going to do. It means that we put our faith in what Jesus did on the cross for us. The most radical event in history is Jesus Christ dying on the cross and in doing that, satisfying the debt for your sin and my sin. Paying it in full. Coming into relationship with God says, okay, by faith, I'm going to believe he did that for me and that my sin has been wiped away and that God rose him from the dead. Now he just reigns supreme. He's going to be my Lord from this day forward. And when you do that, the writers of the New Testament say that God puts his spirit in you an inexhaustible resource, an inexhaustible strength, supply, power 
to reach out to the people around us and have an understanding and go, you know what? This is what I would want if I were in your position. This is what I would want if I were in your shoes. And then you have the resource to give them that grace and that mercy and that love. You see, this is what Jesus did with the Ten Commandments. He just basically said, well, they're impossible. They're impossible to keep because it's really the heart. Last week we talked about even looking at somebody with lust. You've committed adultery. You know, you call somebody a fool, you're, you're in danger of, of hell. It's beyond murder. You need something greater. You need the power of God living in you, and you get that when you honor him by coming into a relationship with him. And so this morning, here's what I want to do. In just a few moments, we're going to pray, and I, I'm going to ask you to think of, of somebody, somebody today that if you, were, if you were honest, you would say, you know what, that cashier, that server, that neighbor, that, that my husband, my wife, this, this one child of mine, uh, I've not been giving them, I've not been giving them what I would want if I were in their place, if I were going through what they're going through, if I were in their stage of life. And I want you to make a commitment to give them what you would want if you were them. And when we do that, God gets honored. And when we do that, they get honored and they get lifted up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you've invited us into a relationship with you and then you, you paid the price for that relationship through Christ. Uh, maybe as I, as I was speaking just now, you, you've realized, hey, I don't have that power source. I don't, I don't think I'm in a relationship with God, but I want to be. And let me invite you right now just to make a cognitive decision to say, I'm going to turn from my old ways and God, I'm going to follow you from now on. That's called repentance. I'm going to turn from my old ways and follow you. From this day forward, I'm going to, I don't have all the answers. I don't, know all, I don't even know all the questions. I'm going to put my faith in you, Jesus, that you have purchased forgiveness for me with your own life. And I invite you just to put your spirit in me and empower me, just, just embolden me to live a different way from this day forward. Man, if that's you, way to go. Way to go. Now, for the rest of us, I, 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 really all of us, can you see that person in, just kind of in your mind's eye? Can you see that person? Who is it? Maybe you know him well. Maybe you don't know him well very much at all, but, but maybe there's a sense there that they need something. And you need to put yourself in their place and reach out to them and honor them. Maybe they live next door to you. Maybe they live in your same house. Maybe you share office space with them. Maybe you serve in the same, the same community uh, outreach with them. See their face. Would you make a commitment this morning that with God's strength, with God's resource, you're going to reach out to them and give them what you would want. Say, God, I want to reach them and give them what I would want if I were them today. Maybe it's a call. Maybe it's a visit. You're going to give them what you would want. Father, I thank you that you uh, have such great things for us, that you lead us, that you help us to honor you and honor each other. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.